0: To the Deal Room podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we talk about the importance of understanding your most likely buyer, whether that is corporate or an individual with a return guest, Roy Levy from Core Business Brokers. Roy is a corporate advisor specializing in business divestments, mergers and acquisitions in the mid-tier market and the SME market across Australia and New Zealand. And in this episode, Roy and I talk about the elements you need to consider when identifying where you think your buyer might be coming from. We drill into the difference between corporate buyers and individual buyers, we look at the most overlooked differences in selling between the two, we also explain the advantages and disadvantages of working with each type of buyer. In this episode, you will hear heaps of tips and tricks in getting to a quick deal and getting the job done efficiently. So here we go with our discussion with Roy. Roy, welcome back to the Deal Room podcast. I am so excited to have you back on the show.
1: Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Great, wonderful. Now, today we're talking about what I think is a very interesting and important topic the importance of understanding your most likely buyer, whether that's a corporate or an individual. Maybe give us a bit of the background here, Roy. Why does it matter? Who cares who the buyer might be when we're thinking about heading out to market?
1: Jana, it's, it's, look, it's, it's a, a very important question when, when when a seller asks you what what is your opinion on the sale of the business and you're trying to understand the business, we always ask for the background and the reason we do that, we need to understand the, the size of the business, the, the sales, the trends, very importantly, uh, number of employees, uh, where their markets are, uh, because – Trying to understand the business, we are always at the back of our mind saying, "Where is my buyer coming from? Who is the natural buyer for this business?" So, in t- typically, one can say that if a business has a value, a uh, sale value, up to approximately three million, maybe even four million dollars, typically that would be an individual who is going to buy their business because the the seller of that business would, would typically be the driver of that business, the decision maker, uh, making all the appropriate decisions and keep that business going well and profitable. And therefore, if, if it was sold to an individual, you'd expect that individual to step into the shoes of the existing seller, do a handover and, and 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 move on. That's not to say that a business of that size cannot be sold to a corporate if it is a strategic, what we call bolt on acquisition and fit to that corporate player. But generally speaking, you'll find that individuals at that, at that level, up to three, three and a half million, it would be an individual that that is the purchaser of that business. When it comes to a corporate business, Generally speaking, and again there's always the exception, if one approached a corporate business or a private equity type player, unless the business was making an, an EBITDA that's earnings before interest and in tax and depreciation of at least one million dollars, generally the answer is Roy, if it's not doing a million dollars, don't waste my time because they have to apply a lot of management time to to assessing that business. And if it's not a million plus with a lot of options to to increase it, they're generally not interested in buying their business. so that's that's sort of your first definition of is the buyer an individual or a corporate? It's really the size of the business, and that dictates uh, w- where one should market particular business. and sometimes there is a there is a bit of a crossover when you're getting to the four to five million dollar size business.
0: yeah, and one of the things that i I find interesting in this difference between corporate and individual buyer is where the power sits between the two. So when you're selling to a corporate, um, generally speaking, if if the sale is from an individual, a bunch of individuals who've run the business, you know, almost from startup or, or for a long period of time. Usually, that's the only business they know. They're not experienced in the process of selling a business. Selling to a corporate, you're selling to someone who is extremely experienced in the acquisition of a business, has advisors who are extremely experienced in the acquisition of a business. And that power. Differential or disparity can sometimes be a huge problem if we've got a seller who hasn't got access to the right advice. In my opinion, you know, I, I've seen, you know, some difficult situations caused by parties that have not had the right representation, and perhaps they've worked that out along the way, or or, or whatever the case may be. Maybe can I get your opinion? Roy, on what what are the most overlooked differences in selling to a corporate buyer rather than an individual? And that might be within the transaction itself or even in the lead up to the transaction in terms of how to make the business attractive to one or the other.
1: The key aspect of that, first of all, is the role of the current owner and the functions he or she plays in that business. Remembering if it was an individual who's the buyer, they would be expected to step in and. Into the shoes of the of the owner, learn from him or her, and then run the business as the decision maker going forward. In the case of a of a corporate transaction, generally speaking, unless it was a, a really strategic bolt on and there was some individuals there, a corporate player would not expect to come in and and sit in the shoes of, of the of the current owner. They would expect the organisational structure to be in place, that the business continues pretty seamlessly into the future uh, once the current owner steps out. So that's the one key difference. Who's going to continue to run that business going forward when the owner eventually leaves? And there's often a disparity or, or a gap in that. So if you're saying to the current owner, if there's a, someone in there or a general manager that can step up into his position, start training that person up front and be ready for the transition. So again, uh, one can answer that question constructively by saying, we have a competent general manager who can step up and take over my position without missing a beat. So that's that's one critical aspect. Uh, the next critical aspect is the 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 due diligence of a corporate owner, very often a corporate owner would be happy to purchase the, the, the business as a going concern, but the equity, they will purchase the shares uh, in the equity because it makes the transaction a lot cleaner in that no contracts need to be changed, nothing needs to be changed, everything remains the same. However, the due diligence requirements for that from from the buyer's perspective is quite significant. And therefore, uh, with that expectations in mind, and of course, by the way, the the seller would first have taken the advice from his accountant, what are the capital gains tax implications on the sale of the business? And should the transaction preferably be a share sale or an asset sale? So that that will first determine it. And we always encourage our sellers to have that conversation with their accountant together with us so we understand what it is. And if the impact, as we as we just had uh, uh, last year, was that, that one set of advice was in fact it was that that uh, a business that I've mentioned to you in in a previous talk, uh, the manufacturing business, the advice was sell it uh, sell it with the shares, and then when we got a share, uh, they had made a had made an error. It was going to cost the seller half a million dollars of capital gains tax, and we had to then backtrack and go back to the to the seller. And apologise about the mistake, and then say it now has to be uh, a share sale or, or asset sale—I can't remember which, wherever it was. Luckily, we got that across the line. But it's important to determine that that early, so that the information memorandum specifies exactly the nature of the sale and what it's going to be. But the corporate player—it's uh, important to have all the backup in the data room ready to go for due diligence, which has an audit trail back to the IM. That whatever we're saying, we'll check out in a due diligence, which which, uh, uh, which a corporate player will will, will undertake, uh, and and that that could be quite time consuming as well.
0: Yeah, I just want to pick up on a couple of things that you mentioned. In one of the um, things you mentioned about the benefit, if you if you think that your buyer might be a corporate buyer or someone who wants to come in and see a management team continue um, it, without them having to come in and run the business themselves as a buyer. You, you need to think about who you're going to have as, say, for example, a general manager on board and and you know, them trained up so that they can stay on with the business. Just want to point to um, the absolute importance in that instance of recognizing that you've now transferred a bit of that risk to that, to key person risk in that general manager. And so you just need to, it's an excellent strategy, but also then needs to be paired with this. What are you going to do to make sure you retain this general manager that you've brought on board and that they don't run off with what has now been created as a lot of value sitting in that person as well? So that's, and, you know, that's where we can think about some of these creative elements in terms of, um, you you know, remuneration um, for, those key staff members based on the price you achieve, based on staying in the business for a particular period of time if there's an earnout, maybe even getting the buyer on board to giving them a bit of or bringing them into equity as part of the deal, those sorts of things. But super important to have your mind on that before the GM runs <laughs> rather than after. So that's just my one point on, on um, you know, to back up what you're talking about there. The other thing I just thought, may, and maybe we should sort of, we talked about the differences mechanically or from a technical perspective when you're looking at a, a corporate buyer versus an individual buyer and from the preparation but maybe we haven't talked about the advantages because I I think one of the big advantages out there is as soon as you can open your business up to a sale to a corporate buyer as well as potentially individuals maybe um you not only do increase the pool of um possible buyers for a business but corporates corporate buyers will most often pay more than an individual buyer as well, uh, pr- particularly if there's a strategic advantage for their business. So, I, I think that's another, you know, and and that's quite often why we see, isn't it, our um, our sellers really keen to think about the sale to a corporate buyer because they can they understand that potential uplift in value.
1: That is hundred percent correct, uh, Jana. So typically you will fine, and depending on the size of the business being sold, if it's a larger business with a transaction value or what we call an enterprise value, upwards of ten million plus, uh, then typically your 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 corporate player comes into play, and if that corporate player is, uh, for example, a small cap public company which would typically be trading on a price earnings ratio of ten times, then they could afford to pay a higher price, and it would still be earnings positive for that for that public company to pay a higher price. So there's no question that that, that on that basis, if that is your targeted buyer, you, your your price expectation would be higher. The other side of the equation, of course, is that. Um, that corporate via independent directors on their board. And the independent directors, of course, before they sign off on a deal of this nature, like to really what we call de-risk. And therefore, they're, one of the requirements what is what we call an earnout. It's not, it's not a definite requirement, but it's one of their preferred requirements to say, Mr. Seller, Mrs. Seller, if you're telling me you're going to make two million dollar profit last year, we are buying the future. You've had the past. Uh, and if we're going to price the business on $2 million earnout, out, we need to be pretty certain that is that is what we're going to earn in the next year or two. So that is where they make one of the conditions uh, an earn out for that business to de-risk it and make sure the profits are what has been achieved in the past. Many private sellers don't like that. In fact, the majority don't like that. Uh, because if the new owner runs the business in a different way, then of course the earnings may not be there. What we've done on, on, on occasions uh, is say to the the buyer coming in, we don't know how you're going to run this business. We're not sure what expenses you're going to load or not load into the business, and we cannot control that. So one way of doing an earnout is make it on a simple on a simple number such as a sales figure, because that's something that may may well be controlled. So, if, you, if, it, if it's going to be an earnout, try and simplify it with a figure that can be measured a lot easier than a profit where you've got a whole host of expenses that you can control. So, that is one way of making it simpler. And the other thing is, of course, if the seller does agree to some kind of earnout, then we would encourage the seller to stay on for the period of the earnout, let's say 12 months, so that they can be there and control and assist. To make sure that those that, that number is achieved, and it's not left to someone who who may not run the business well to not achieve that, and that will then affect the earnings of the seller. So there's a number of of, of considerations you know to play with when you're considering an earnout. Uh, if if it if it turns out that way, of course the price for for an earnout can be a, a, even a, a little bit higher if the seller is insistent that they will not do an earnout then the corporate player may still go ahead but drop the price a little bit because of the earnings risk. And uh, that's that's an option. Sometimes uh, a seller will turn around and say, well, that's fine. I'm happy with that. I'm happy with the price and uh, let's do it on that basis. So that's the difference between a typical corporate player and and versus a, a private indiv- individual buying the business
0: and I just want to add into that um, I would say and I alluded to this earlier uh, so repeating the concept a little bit but just the absolute importance for sellers to a corporate buyer having someone who can be in your corner who understands the game who understands what to look out for because more often than not you'll end up with the contract. Um, being driven by um, and drafted by the corporate buyer in that instance. They can be really long contracts. They can be very complex contracts. And it's super important that you have someone in your corner who can pick out where the issues are and what are, what are real issues versus what might be red herrings, because you don't want to be caught in um, you know, this constant forwards and backwards of endless negotiation. We're still death by email negotiation. <laughs> you know, constant red lines forwards and backwards. You have to have someone in your corner who can get in there and argue, you know, reasonable. Say, for example, you've got an earnout, there's a whole heap of controls that we can put in there for earnouts. You know, if you're forced into um an a bit uh, calculation for for the um earn out, so an earn out based on profit as opposed to top line revenue. I completely agree with you about it would be so much better if you can control it and make it simpler related to top line revenue. But we all know sometimes quite often corporates will come in and require the earn out to be based on profit. But then you just, you need the right clauses in there. You need the controls. You need to make sure um, the earn out accounts are prepared by stripping out any extra costs that had Office may have put in there, or extra expenses they've lumbered on the business, or indeed protect them if um, you know there, there's no um, there's no commitment to continue marketing the business or doing the sorts of things in the business that are required to um, enable the business to continue to grow to meet the earnout. So I guess that's you know just the last thing I wanted to put in there. It's critically important if you're looking at selling um, to a corporate buyer to understand. That you need someone in your corner who understands the area,
1: Jayne. That that is absolutely critical. When we when we sell the business and we start uh, the process of preparing the business for sale, one of the questions we immediately ask: Who is your accountant and who is the solicitor that that you, that you use? Uh, because if it gets to the the sale, you need to have the appropriate uh, consultants and professionals on your side. Who who are able to manage a uh, transaction of this nature, and that is very very critical. If, for example, and it's, it's uh, the solicitor of the seller has really been instrumental in, in doing leases, and that's where their their speciality lies. With respect, we will we will suggest that maybe we should be looking at a corporate solicitor who has a lot of experience in this uh, this element of of a sale, be it a share transaction or whatever, um, and. Our role will be once we've got a deal in place uh, to and a term sheet negotiation of a term sheet, uh, and then it goes to uh, you know due diligence where the accountants get involved, and then contracts of sale. We then become the choir master, making sure that all elements of the deal are are controlled, whilst the, the owner of the business continues running his business, because what we found is the transaction. Is, while it can be uh, a term sheet can be signed, it takes time it takes weeks and sometimes months and right at the end before a contract is, is, is exchanged and remember there's no deal legal deal until it's exchanged, the buyer then comes back and says to him by the way, how's the sales been going for the last three months And if the owner has taken his eye off the ball during all this work that's been going on and the sales have deteriorated a little bit, that can scupper the whole deal and be back to zero. So I always say to the vendor, this now, now's the time to work even harder than you have before, so that when the question comes, and it will, how's the last three months gone, you can show them that it's better than ever, the deal will move forward because they know that they bought a good, they're buying a good business. So it's very critical to have all the elements in place Trustworthy, competent people, so that he can continue to run the business. And what goes on behind the scenes, he can be he can be reliably uh, uh, informed as as appropriate to make the decisions. And 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 his advisors are running behind the scenes and getting the job done.
0: Yeah, and getting the job done efficiently too. You know, one of the things I always say. Uh, Uh, a quick deal is a good deal. (laughs) A good deal is a quick deal. (laughs) And, you know, not always the case, but I I do find that, um, you know, one of the greatest frustrations, I think, in this space can be And, you know, certainly some of the frustrations I have with counterparties in this space sometimes is just the slow approach, Um, you, you know, that can happen with, you know, parts of the deal team, the legal team, the accountants, whatever the case may be. And I hugely subscribe to the theory that you should not have millions of drafts and redrafts flowing between the parties. You get everyone together quickly to negotiate any issues all together in an all parties meeting you get through them you get to an answer and you get the deal done um and 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 i just think that is so critical as well to that component of the business and the business owner the business owner being able to maintain focus on the business and not getting sidetracked by a long arduous negotiation process
1: Absolutely critical, and you know, and it it can be very taxing on 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 uh, and emotional because it's it's often the biggest asset that the owner has uh, now setting off to the years, and 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 when a buyer says something not quite derogatory about the business as part of the negotiating tactics, uh, it affects the owner, and, and and we always say to the owner, we will deal with that. We are we are the the meat in the sandwich. We take the body blows on your behalf. That's our role. Leave that to us, and we just it will direct you as to as, as, as where you need to get involved or not. So it, it's very critical to do that and keep the emotional stress as low as possible, and, and let him just concentrate on running the business until the deal is settled, and then then they can relax.
0: Yeah, then he can run off in his sunset with their bags of cash. That's right, or stick around and work through that earnout, whatever. <laughs> Uh, uh, Roy, look, I just want to say a huge thank you to coming on to the Deal Room Podcast. How can our listeners get in contact with you if they're looking to gear up for a sale of their business or indeed if they're looking to buy a business?
1: Easiest way, Jada, jump onto our website, www.corebb, so that's www.corebb.com.au or send us an email, sales at corebb.com.au. Uh, our contact number is on the website if you prefer an initial uh, chat and uh, our motto is we will always respond within 24 hours to your communication, be it an email or telephone call and uh, we no obligations to have a free chat to you it will be our pleasure.
0: Absolutely love it, Roy. A huge thank you for coming on to the show today. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure once again. Well, that's it for this episode of The Deal Room Podcast with Roy Levy from Core Business Brokers, all about the importance of understanding your most likely buyer. Now, if you'd like more information about this topic, then check out our show notes where you'll be shot straight across to our episode page at the website www.thedealroompodcast.com. There you'll be able to download a transcript of this podcast episode if you'd like to read it in more detail. And of course, there we will also link straight through to Roy Levy and core business brokers if you would like their assistance during the sale of a business or perhaps an acquisition. You'll also find details there of how to contact our Legal Eagles at Aspect Legal Legal about anything related to buying or selling a business. And you can book yourself in a free 15 minute discussion with our legal team at aspectlegal.com.au. Well, that's it. I hope you enjoyed what you heard today. If you did, don't forget to subscribe to the Deal Room podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player to get notifications straight through to your phone whenever a new episode is out. We also love hearing feedback, so please leave us a review and rating if you're already one of our subscribers or even if you're listening to this podcast for the very first time. Thanks again for listening in. You have been listening to Joanna Oki and The Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. I am so very excited to announce that I've hit a non-podcast-related milestone and released a book you might wonder why? Simple. I wanted to help business owners understand the mechanics of deal-making and the interaction between three critical phases of business, acquisition, growth, and exit. And so I am very happy to announce Buy, Grow, Exit, a guidebook for business owners and their advisors on how to buy, grow, and guess what, exit in a way that maximizes value and avoids landmines along the way. The book is available now. So just head over to buygrowexit.com.au to get your copy and to access a whole heap of free resources that will really help you on your journey of acquisition, growth, and exit in your business or in working with your clients. Also, check out our show notes where we will link straight through to that page. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to The Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au.